Thank you for hitting the download and subscribe button on iTunes and Google Play. This is Steven Jensen. You're listening to the Fight Talk Podcast. Today is Tuesday, December the 12th, 2017. And I just wanted to come on here and do a show. I wasn't really sure what I was going to talk about. And I'm really not really sure, to be completely honest right now, where this conversation is going to go or this discussion, whatever you want to call it. Um, I just want to talk some MMA. I know that. And the main discussion or the main topic coming up, and I'm not going to edit this completely unedited. I'll talk about my sponsors at the end of the show. Um, you know, this situation that the UFC is in with their championships in their ranking system, I think is becoming a very big problem. And it's something that I feel like I need to talk about on the show. As everybody knows, I'm a massive, massive fan of the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani and New York Rick and those guys over there at MMAfighting.com. And they were talking about it on the show yesterday. And it's something that obviously I've talked about before. A bunch of fans talk about. I was actually um, at lunch with Jason from MMA On Point. Uh, and if you haven't seen them, check out their YouTube videos. They're fantastic, highly produced, high-quality production and everything that they do, really great lists, and they do a podcast also. But I was talking to him when we were talking about, you know, titles that have been devalued, and, you know, George St. Pierre returning, and uh, the money fight era that everyone talks about, and that kind of stuff. And I have a lot of kind of conflicting thoughts on the whole thing. But at the end of the day, I'm just going to start here. We'll see where this goes. But I think the main thing I need to bring up with how this whole thing is going about right now and it really being at the forefront and a lot of people talking about this subject right now because of George St. Pierre coming back after whatever it was, three, four years off. By the way, I'm doing this without any laptop, any internet, nothing. So this is off the top of my head. So I, if I get any facts or stats or anything wrong throughout this podcast, I apologize, but I wanted to get this out for you guys uh, right now. So, you know, so George, you know, he comes back, he wins this title after three or four years at 185 pounds. Obviously, he had fought at 170 up to that point, and he is arguably the best fighter pound for pound of all time. I mean, I wouldn't argue that. And he's a guy that I've been a fan of for a really long time. And I want to explain my view on this kind of pre-fight, during the fight, post-fight, and give you kind of both sides of, of where I'm where I'm at on this whole debate of like the the titles being devalued but I very much lean on the on the side of a guy like Eddie Alvarez I was actually mentioned on the MMA hour moments uh this week again on Twitter uh for my comment about agreeing with Eddie Alvarez and I'm going to talk about this here too so with George coming back to fight Michael Bisbing it was very very obvious to me and I think anybody else who follows the sport what was going on. George picked a very winnable fight against Michael Bisping. Now, when I talk about this stuff on social media, on Twitter, at Fight Talk underscore, on, on my Facebook and all that stuff, I wind up in like these debates and arguments with people that I don't really consider debates or arguments to be completely honest, but some people probably do. I, I don't really give it too much peace of mind. But while I'm talking to people, you know, I'm mentioning stuff like you know, George St. Pierre took a very winnable fight against Michael Bisping. And then I'm immediately attacked as, well, you know, Michael Bisping doesn't get enough credit, blah, blah, blah. 
And, you know, George St. Pierre, you're saying he was just going to come back and whoop his ass. And, like, nobody knew that. And I'm like, listen, my point is this. It was a very winnable fight. I'm not saying that Michael Bisping was an easy fight. I've never once ever said that Michael Bisping was an easy fight for anybody, especially a guy like George St. Pierre coming off of a long layoff. I'm the first to give Michael Bisping his credit. I actually chose him to defeat Luke Rockhold in their rematch where he won the title on short notice. I thought the stars aligned perfectly for him. It, everything just came together all at the right time, and it was his moment in time to win that championship. Did I ever once think that he was the best middleweight in the world? No. Did I even think he was top five in the world? Probably not. Definitely in the top 10, though, but you know, probably not in the top five, even while he was the champion. And yes, the only person he defeated during his title run was Dan Henderson, who at the time was out of his prime and who was ranked number 13th in the, in the division. But that doesn't mean that Michael Bisbing was going to be an easy fight for George St. Pierre. I give Bisbing a ton of credit. I think he has a ton of heart. He has great boxing skills. He's had some questionable stuff to the media throughout the years, but honestly, a lot of these guys have. He has that big win over Anderson Silva. Uh, you know, he's a legend in the sport. He grew this thing over in the European market, especially so much. And Bisbing is is a great, great fighter. But what I say when I say, you know, that GSP kind of handpicked a very winnable fight against Michael Bisbing is that, yeah, in comparison, Bisbing is a much, much, much easier matchup than a guy like Tyron Woodley or a guy like Robert Whitaker or, I mean, really anybody who's like legitimately in the top five at welterweight or at middleweight. And I didn't put Bisbing in that group of people. He's kind of right outside of that. And he's a guy with questionable ground game and mainly stands and trades punches. That's mainly what Michael Bisbing does. So George St. Pierre came in and he had great success. He won the fight. We know now that, you know, he's dealing with this colitis, which just sounds terrible. And I had heard him talking to people about his weight issues and how his body was feeling after the fight. I didn't realize what an issue it was for him leading up to the fight and what an issue it's been since. Like I knew it was an issue, but not to this extent. And now GSP has vacated his middleweight title. And that's where a lot of this kind of talk and discussion and debate and everything comes about the, the valuation or how devalued the championships in the UFC are at this point in time. Because I don't blame George St. Pierre at all for what he did and what happened. I mean, he made good money. He won a big fight. He cemented his legacy as possibly the best of all time. He has not been linked to PED usage. There's accusations out there. There always, there always kind of has been with him, but he's never been caught with anything. And up to this point, he's possibly the best ever. And he won the title, and he's going to deal with this colitis issue that he's got now. And when he comes back, he'll come back at 170 pounds, if he comes back. I, I expect that he will, but we don't know for sure. And I think he'll come back to 170 pounds, and I think he'll probably defeat whoever the champion there is. And I think that would have been a really difficult thing for him to do, and it still will be difficult, but it will be less difficult coming off of that fight with Bisbing 
knowing and having that confidence that after three or four years, you can still come back, you can still be the guy as good as Michael Bisping, you can still be a champion. And with that, plus not dealing with the weight issues, because he'll be fighting at his more natural fighting weight of 170 pounds, where his body is used to, you know, acclimating that. I think that he's going to come back and he'll probably win the title welterweight, depending on, you know, not even depending on who the, the current champion is. I think he matches up pretty damn well with uh, Tyron Woodley, but obviously Woodley's punching power and his ability to neutralize his opponents as of late is going to call it's going to cause anybody issues. So there's that. There's the George St. Pierre thing. And then you kind of get into the money talk talk, the money fight talks. Um, you start talking about, you know, Conor McGregor and what he's done. So let's talk about that. You know, McGregor, he has two championships or he's held two championships. He's currently the technically the, the true champion at welterweight or at, at lightweight. And he's fought at welterweight as well, of course. But man, so he is the featherweight champion. And the fight that I think everyone wants to see well, I shouldn't say everybody. I think that a lot of people want to see Conor McGregor fight Max Holloway. I think a lot of people want to see Conor McGregor fight Tony Ferguson. I still think there's a lot of people that want to see him fight Nate Diaz as well, at either lightweight or welterweight. The, the thing here, though, is, you know, Conor needs to vacate or defend his titles at this point. It's that simple. Obviously, he's not fighting at featherweight anymore, and he's already given that title up without ever losing it, but without ever defending it also. And then with Ferguson, he will not feel like the real champion to me until Connor either defends or he vacates. And if he's going to defend, he needs to defend against Tony. I think the better stylistic matchup, the fight that I want to see more, to be honest, is Holloway versus McGregor. The reason being, I think that Holloway has a better chance of beating McGregor, believe it or not. I think that McGregor would... Uh, torch Tony Ferguson, and I know that I know that that is a probably a controversial thing to say, especially with Tony Ferguson's long win streak and how well rounded he is. And but I think Connor, between you know the build up of the fight and the mind games he can play and that stuff, he he's gonna do that to both Tony and to Max, you know, regardless of who he's fighting. But I think that he would go in there and he would torch Tony and I think he would go in there and he'd have a more competitive fight against Holloway. That's just my opinion. And I know I'm going to get backlash for that. There's a lot of people that think that Tony Ferguson would absolutely destroy Connor and that's possible, but I really think that Connor matches up really well against Tony Ferguson personally. And he has that decision fight against, it was a win, but it was a decision over, Max Holloway from years ago, and both guys have gotten so much better since then. I want to see that rematch. I think it's a better fight. I'd actually like to see Holloway fight Ferguson at some point, too, at lightweight. I think that'd be a very interesting matchup. Both guys are very similar to me in a lot of ways. Um, I like Holloway's skill set a lot, though. What else? So that's going on with, with McGregor and you know his belt. So that, that right there kind of de devalues it, right? You have all these interim champions like Tony Ferguson. Uh, you have the new women's 125-pound champion, uh, Nico Montoya, or Montagna. I'm not, honestly not sure how to pronounce her name. I don't have it in front of me. I'll just call her Nico. Um, that that title is, like, worthless. I, I'm sorry to say, but any woman 
at 115 pounds, whether it's anyone in the in the top 15. I mean, from Ioannion Jacek and Rosnami Yunus and Carolina Kovalkiewicz, even to, I mean, Feliz Herring and, and, and anybody in that women's top 15 at 115 pounds, if any of them goes up to 125, they're going to win the title. It's that simple. All those women are better than every woman I saw in that 125-pound uh, tough season, and I'm sorry to say it because I love Roxanne Monteferi as much as the next person as far as her as a human being. She's not that good of a fighter. I'm, I, I really kind of hate saying this because she's so well-loved, but I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when I see her fight, and I'm like, if she was in there against somebody like Joanna, Joanna would absolutely destroy her. It wouldn't even be competitive. So I'm really not a big fan of this 125-pound division so far in the UFC with the women, but I think that there will be an influx of talent from the 115-pounders going up to that division. They're going to just start dominating immediately, and I think we'll also see it coming you know, down as far as like the 135-pound women who aren't really nearing a title shot going back that are going down, I should say, to 125. So I think there it will become an interesting division. But as of right now, it's just weak, really weak paper champion, in my opinion. And I, and I hate saying that about mixed martial arts. I mean, I respect the hell out of everyone. I respect the hell out of Roxanne. I respect the hell out of Nico. I respect the hell out of everybody who's willing to you know literally put their lives on the line to do this as a profession, as a sport, as entertainment, whatever you want to call it. But there is a vast vast difference in talent in the level of talent between the 125 pound division and the rest of the women's divisions uh that the ufc has aside from you know i shouldn't say that because i i actually completely forgot about the 145 pound title so you can pretty much say the same thing minus the fact that the champion's a paper champion at 145 there's no division at all so that really is a very worthless championship as well especially with how uh uh jermaine Durandamy won that fight against Holly Holm, and that was controversial to begin with. And then she vacated the title because she was, for lack of a better term, afraid to fight Cyborg. So Cyborg is the champion now. Her fight with Holly Holm is a huge fight. I'm glad that it's happening, but it's just kind of for a title that really doesn't mean much, right? I mean, after this fight, outside of Holm versus Cyborg, there's nothing interesting going on at that weight class. And regardless of who wins the fight, I mean, if Cyborg wins, then there's really nothing left for her. If Holm wins, you can maybe run it back with some of the 135-pounders that she's fought before, or maybe some new ones that move up or something, but, you know, maybe bring some women over from the Invicta 145ers, but, yeah, another title, once again, just kind of going with the theme, another title that just doesn't mean much, Um, what else is kind of not meaning much as far as the rankings, Let's talk about that. I mean, Hawani said it great on his show on Monday. It's Joe Silva would talk about it all the time. The the previous mat, longtime matchmaker for the UFC. They're in the business of creating contenders. And that's not what they're doing right now at all. You know, we can even go back to, you know, like a guy like Alexander. I can't speak today. A guy like Alexander Gustafson getting a title shot against Daniel Cormier coming off of a knockout loss in the first round to Anthony Rumble Johnson. You know, stuff like that. Stuff like Dan Henderson getting a championship fight against Michael Bisbing. Obviously, we know the backstory there. And arguably, 
Henderson won that fight or could possibly have, it could have been a draw. So, you know, keep that in mind, but he shouldn't have been getting a title shot. I'll just be completely honest. There's a lot of that going on in the UFC, or I shouldn't say a lot of it, but enough of it going on in the UFC right now where I just, you know, it just devalues stuff. It just really, the rankings is a big, it should be a big deal. It should mean a lot. You know, at heavyweight, I feel like they're doing that pretty well because of a guy like Francis Ngannou climbing up the ranks. He'll be fighting Stipe at the end of January. And I think it's the end of January. I know it was very soon. I think January 20th, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, so I guess there's there's kind of a, you know, would be the, the contrary kind of argument is that they are doing it in some weight classes but they should be they should be doing it everywhere like there's there's really no reason that we should look at certain divisions and like welterweight for instance being a perfect example of tyron woodley you know if there is truth to the ufc trying to get nate diaz to fight tyron woodley for the welterweight championship if there's truth like i've heard that Apparently, the UFC has offered Nate Diaz a title fight at any weight of his choice. And I don't know how true that is. It's just things that I've heard. That's pathetic. Like, the UFC, I get it. Like, you paid $4 billion for this thing. You're trying to get your money back. You're trying to make this attractive to the new, uh, whatever the new TV deal is going to be. That's that's really the big underlying theme here, right, is that, they're going to be signing a new TV deal this year with it's going to be a major, major deal for a shit ton of money. And the UFC needs to make itself look attractive. They need they need these big fights. They need people talking about the UFC. Hawani broke it down perfect on a show on Monday. So, you know, check that out if you haven't. But I just kind of want to echo what he was saying. I mean, and I want to add a little to it because that that that's where that's where they're missing out big time is is they're trying to make all this money and put on all these shows right now without any long-term booking and it's a problem that's been going on for years now in professional wrestling you can look right at that i mean what the wwf wwe whatever you want to call it used to do is they would book a year out and to some extent they kind of do that now but they change their minds so often now they don't stick to the original plans hardly ever but what they used to do is, like, let's say uh, WrestleMania 16 just ended. They know they want their main event of WrestleMania 17, one year from then, to be Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. This is the true story, by the way. They know a year from now, we want to get to Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. And then this is the rest of the show. If we have the same people here at this time next year that we do right now, this is the card of, of kind of match by match where we want to get to for next year. And they'll, you know, they'll change things here and there along the way because it is, you know, an entire year and things are going to change. People are going to get hurt. Stuff's going to happen. But you have a general idea of where you want to be booking-wise a year out. Now, MMA is different, but it doesn't need to be that different. I mean, they could be looking six months into the future going, you know, hey, trust me. I want to see Ngannou versus Miocic as soon as possible. I am so into that fight happening like i can't wait i think that's the best stylistic heavyweight matchup they may have ever been able to put together absolutely love it but imagine if it was happening six months from now you know i'm not saying that that's what i want i'm just saying if you're if you're a smart 
promoter, you're, you're a smart company in the business of, of fight promotion, and you're not so concerned with the TV deal, you're more concerned with putting on the best overall product and making the most money long-term versus in the immediate short-term, you would take something like Ngannou versus Miocek and you know line it up for four, five, six months from now, and every single UFC show, because God knows there's enough UFC shows at this point on, on television and on pay-per-view. I mean, my God, they too many events. That's a whole other topic. They need to cut the amount of shows they're doing in their next deal for sure, 100%. And I love MMA. I can't get enough of it. But at this point, it's like it's it's overkill. And they're, they don't have – that's part of this problem, right? They're creating titles because they don't have the demand for – or they don't have the supply for the demand of shows that they, that they need to be doing this for – all the people involved, but they need to be booking this stuff or they should be booking this stuff with the mindset of, okay, well, six months from now, every single show up to that point is going to have a promo or an interview or a sound clip or some visual, something about Nganu versus Stipe. And it's a trickle down effect because you have that. Then you might also have some big, you know, four months from now, it's the return of Conor McGregor. He's going to be coming on to take on, we'll just say, Tony Ferguson, for argument's sake. That's probably the most likely fight, you know, but like I said, I like the Holloway fight a little better, but that's just my opinion. Let's say he's going to come back and fight Tony Ferguson. Book that like four or five months from now, kind of like the Aldo versus McGregor buildup, and give them a world tour and let them really build the fight because the trickle-down effect to all the other fights on all these other cards, it raises the stock of everything because just by association... And through that process, more people are interested when the really major stuff happens, but they're also staying focused and paying attention to the smaller shows and some of the lesser known fighters because of the association with these big events that they're that they're watching and that they're preparing and getting ready for as fans. You know, so and that and that also helps create new stars, obviously. I mean, once again, look at the pro wrestling model. If you're on a show Let's say you're on WrestleMania, and okay, WrestleMania is the draw, so this might not be the best example, but we'll just say you're a, a somewhat casual pro wrestling fan that never, ever watches pro wrestling. I mean, I shouldn't say never, ever, but you know, maybe a couple times a year. So WrestleMania really doesn't mean anything to you other than, you know, you know it's the big show each year, and you, so you look, at the, you look at the main event of the show. Oh, you know what? Let's use Wrestle Kingdom this year as the example. I think that's a much better, more relevant example. So New Japan Pro Wrestling does a show called Wrestle Kingdom every January. It's their WrestleMania. But most of you listening to this probably won't know that unless you're also a pro wrestling fan, of course. Or a hardcore pro wrestling fan at that, I should say, if you're if you're subscribed to New Japan World like I am. But regardless, so they have their main event this year. And you might have heard about this if you're a pro wrestling fan. They're they're doing a double main event this year for New Japan World's uh, New Japan's uh, why am I not Wrestle Kingdom Wrestle Kingdom twelve the big draw the main event is Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega and most people know Chris Jericho for his long tenure in the WWF WWE uh, he was in ECW he was in WCW he has a rock band he's involved in so much stuff pod really successful podcast. And Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega is part of a double main event along with uh, Okada versus Naito for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Now, the reason I use this as the example is because they've been building this up for months now. 
people know, you know, wrestling fans know Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega. Like, that's a huge, huge, huge matchup. But you might not know any of the other people on this show. You might not know somehow. You might not know, you know, Minoru Suzuki. You might not know uh, Jeff Cobb. You might not know War Machine. You might not know uh Davy Boy Smith Jr. You know, you might not know who I, I could name name after name, I'll name the Japanese guys. You might not know uh Taguchi. You might not know Yano. You might not know and I'm naming like guys that are, that I dislike Yano Taguchi right now. Uh you might not know uh Hiromi Taka Takahashi. You might not know you know, I can name name after name after name of these guys, but the the point is this. I mean if you're tuning in for Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho, you're also going to wind up seeing Naito and Okada and Abushi um, and Ishii. And you're going to see Cody Rhodes pop up if you remember him. Uh, you might see just a bunch of these people that you really don't know, but you, you're now you're a fan of because you're tuned in per association for Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. And it's the same kind of thing for MMA, it's very, very similar. If you have a giant show with some really big fights on the top of the card, people will get interested in the rest of the show and you wind up making new fans out of new fighters just because they're tuned in to watch. And in this process, you can be creating a ranking system that's actually relevant, that actually means something. And, you know, we'd go from there. But the UFC is lacking that. The UFC is just throwing whoever they think is going to make the most money for them, you know, as quick as possible into title fights, into main events, whoever they think is the most marketable, whoever they think, you know, someone like Paige Van Zandt, who's a, who's a good fighter, but by no means an elite fighter, but she's gets opportunities that others maybe wouldn't because she, you know, she's beautiful. I mean, all these women are, but she's exceptionally, you know, in the media and all that stuff, you know, people know Paige Van Zandt from Dancing with the Stars and all that other stuff, and, you know, so she's going to get opportunities. You know, the company's in a weird spot with WMEIMG owning it. They don't really really know what they're doing, to be completely honest, in my opinion, but they're they're trying to make their money back. They're they're definitely good business people. That That's undebatable. They're phenomenal business people. They've, they've built what they own right now into something gigantic enough that they could buy the UFC for $4 billion. And, you know, they went into debt for it, but that's kind of the whole point. They're in debt. They need to make their money back. This is how they're trying to do it. But like I said, they could really be taking people and really letting the ranking speak for themselves and letting contenders really rise through the ranks. And there should never be a scenario like I see so often. You go on UFC.com, you look at the rankings, and somebody, let's say fighter, ranked fighter number four gets knocked out by ranked fighter number eight. And then you look at the rankings the next week, and ranked fighter number eight is now at number six, but number four is at number five. You know what I mean? Where, like, all of a sudden, like, okay, so somebody number eight knocks out number four, but number eight is still ranked lower than the person they just knocked out in the in the next rankings. That stuff happens all the time. It makes no sense. Whether it's a knockout submission decision, like if you beat somebody, you should be ranked higher than them. It's that simple. Because the the rankings are not supposed to be an accumulation of, you know, your whole career. That's taken into account to some extent, but it shouldn't be it should be, you know, what have you done for me lately? 
because what you're trying to do is is cultivate contenders for championships for upcoming fights that you should be able to put on fairly soon. So, you know, I think everyone knows kind of where I'm going with this. Everyone knows my thought process, my my train of thought, my whatever. But I just wanted to get that out there because I think it is a problem. I think the UFC needs to build contenders, and I think they need to stick to it. And it's a long-term play, and that's the problem. That's the issue that I think that they're having. That's that's the double-edged sword is the time because they need to sell this thing to a network or Amazon or wherever it winds up going pretty damn soon. It's got to be this year. So how do you make the most money the fastest? But long-term, it's going to hurt them big time. I'm going to say it right now. Like, this is not good what they're doing because at some point, all these quote-unquote stars are going to go away. And if there's nobody there to pick up the slack that the you know the, the stars leaving kind of leave behind if there's no one there to go into their places you know and in fighting you always hear there's always somebody right there's always someone new well i don't know if we're going to see another conor mcgregor you know he's gotten so much bigger than the sport i don't know if we'll see another ronda rousey like at that level francis Ngannou has potential to maybe be a big superstar like that but you know I'm not saying I'm amazed done or it's going anywhere. They're like, they're doomed. But I think they'd be positioning themselves much better long term for the future if they were building legitimate contenders throughout this process. So we'll see what happens. But I think a lot of you will agree with me. I think a lot of you will disagree with me. And, you know, either way, that's fine. And that's why I do this show. If, if people, uh, you know, disagree, feel free to hit me up in the comments on Twitter at Fight Talk underscore, my Facebook group at Fight Talk Podcast, all one word, or to search the words Fight Talk Podcast. I think it comes right up pretty quick. Um, and if you like what you heard today, feel free to subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. It helps out a lot. Uh, I mean, I really appreciate everyone who subscribes to this show on iTunes and Google Play, any other platform that you can find me on. If you're subscribed on iTunes, please rate and comment. A five-star rating and a review helps so much i'm gonna give you some free stuff uh, to some people who rate and review from my sponsors that i'll mention here at the end of the show but uh, please do that it helps the podcast out so much uh, i know i say it all the time but it is the truth i also have some merchandise on whatamaneuver.net that is whatamaneuver.net got t-shirts hoodies tank tops all that good stuff uh different colors different sizes whatever you're looking for different designs that's whatamaneuver.net um I can't think of anything else really going on right now, like, immediately. I know there's definitely some pro wrestling and some MMA coming up. There always is, but I don't know when I'll be back next. It'll be soon, but I don't know. I don't know exactly when. I don't know if we'll be talking pro wrestling or MMA, but we do have some big UFC shows coming up. The uh, Robbie Lawler versus RDA shows coming up soon. Uh, Pro wrestling-wise, there's a lot of great stuff going on in the indie scene right now. I'm loving the independent pro wrestling scene right now. Um, but then, you know, we also got Clash of Champions coming up. Uh, Ring of Honor's got some big stuff going on. Of course, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom, I mentioned that's going on at the beginning of uh, January. So there's a lot of stuff going on in pro wrestling and MMA. So I'll be back soon. But until then, make sure to check out my sponsors. I'll start by telling you about Heroes and Legends. Heroes and Legends is a pro wrestling collectible memorabilia company. They specialize in action figures, pro wrestling memorabilia, Vintage magazines and programs, DVDs, autograph stuff, everything you think of. 
Uh, they are run by a dude named Chad, who's a great guy, nice guy, does fair business, and they have great stuff. So if you're into you know collecting action figures or you like getting autographs and pictures and stuff like that, hit up Heroes and Legends. Make sure to give them a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HL Pro Wrestling, and I'll get some uh, some dates for you guys soon as far as their upcoming uh, the upcoming places that they're going to be selling their merch and meeting fans and stuff. And I think they're going to be bringing some uh, some pretty cool guests with them soon as well that we'll be able to hopefully talk about soon. Also, make sure to hit up WrestleRumble.com. WrestleRumble.com has fantasy, uh, fantasy wrestling. It's the best. It's literally armchair quarterbacking for pro wrestling. So if you think you know everything about pro wrestling, if you're someone like me that sits around and talks to your friends, has a podcast, whatever it may be, goes on YouTube, listens to people's opinions, listens to Dave Meltzer all day and Ryan Satin and Sean Ross Sapp and all those guys. Justin Labar, I'll give everyone a little shout out today. If you're a fan of those kind of guys and you just you love talking about wrestling and hearing insider news and information and all that stuff and you think you know what's going on, well, put your money where your mouth is. RussellRumble.com, you can win cash and prizes. And I'm not talking just like a little bit of cash, some like weak-ass prizes. We're talking like $500 cash and like custom-made wrestling merch or, you know, free mystery crates from WrestleCrate.com or, you know, stuff like that. So we're talking big cash, big prizes over at WrestleRumble.com to pick winners and losers for matches, stipulations, how many suplexes people will hit, if announce tables will break, what order the matches are going to go in, all that great stuff and more over at WrestleRumble.com. Make sure to grab a t-shirt while you're there on the website and follow them on Twitter for all the updates and all their contests, all the info you need at WrestleRumble on Twitter. And last but not least, my brother Brian Jensen at Dugout of Boxing is who you need to hit up if you want to learn how to throw hands, get in better shape, learn self-defense, self-defense. <laughs> that sounded so Southern. So Southern. Um, self-defense. Uh, polish up existing boxing skills. Brian Jensen's the guy for you. Brian is a USA boxing instructor. He corners professional boxers, but he's also, you know, your standard personal trainer as well. I mean, he can help you with anything, help you reach your goals. Make sure to give him a call at 404-316-4516. That's 404-316-4516. Or email him at delgadoboxing.net. That is delgadoboxing.net, B-R-Y-A-N at delgadoboxing.net. And follow him on Instagram at BMJMMA. Get a knockout workout without getting knocked out. Hit up Brian Jensen at Dog Auto Boxing right now. That's going to do it for the show today, guys. Uh, thank you again to my sponsors. Thank you very much for listening, and I will be back soon. Hey, my-